One, two, one, two. Can you guys hear me? Fred, can you hear me? One, two, one, two. Okay, that should be right. Testing, testing. Can you hear me right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Yep, you're all good. All good on my end. All right, cool. Let's get everybody. Let's get everybody else on, and then we will. Um, yeah, we'll just start. Let's just get as many as the speakers on. I see Hendrik's here. Hendrik, I've sent you a um, speaker invite. Should be in your inbox. All right, let's take a minute or two. I'm just going to get get the rest of the guests in. Okay, great. Cool. Let's yeah. Let's wait a few minutes, waiting for all the guests to join. Then we're going to get into straight into it ahead of the PCE uh, inflation numbers, which are being published today. Um, super, super, super important numbers because all the other inflation numbers have, you know, the inflation numbers have been worse than expected. Um, the employment numbers have been better than expected. The GDP numbers were better than expected. So I think today is quite a big day, to be honest. Um, remember that we're looking for the month-on-month -month PCE uh, to be increased or to have increased by 0.4%. So that's what we're looking at. That's what we, the, what the market's expecting. Uh, analysts are actually expecting 0.5%. So let's see where where we're actually land, where we actually land up today. I do. I am watching the Dixie. Funny enough, and uh, the Dixie has just broken through a trend line. It's now uh, at 104.97. So getting very, very, very close to that very scary uh, 105 number. Um, which is where the next resistance is. And then the next resistance above that, if you look at the charts, is 105.8. And then it goes all the way up to like 108, 109. So quite this, these numbers are quite important. And they're really going to dictate what the Fed does at the next FOMC meeting, which, if I'm not mistaken, is on the 22nd of March. As I look at it right now, the, um, the uh, uh, probability of a 50 basis point rate hike is sitting at 24% probability of a 25 basis point rate hike is at 76%. So let's see let's see what, what happens to those probabilities afterwards. So I think it's going to be quite a cool spaces. Uh, if you guys are here, um, would be great if you guys retweeted this. Let people know that we're live. Let people know that we're covering the event. Uh, let people know that we're getting some very cool speakers here. I think TED Talks Macro is joining us. Um, I see Hendrik's here. Uh, oh, I see Jerome. Uh, he's here. Um Okay, I see the Kabisi letter, the the Kabisi letters here as well. Let me just invite them as a speaker. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. connecting. He's good. Jerun, thanks. Awesome. Henry, thank you for joining us. Yeah, guys, if you have just uh, retweet, please let it let everybody know that we're here. We started at about twenty five minutes before the uh, the numbers come out. Um, I really think there's going to be some kind of market move today. I see right now the Dow futures. So the Dow Jones futures are down about 158 points. The NASDAQ futures down about 0.6%. The S&P 500 down about 0.6%. Bitcoin's actually been pretty good. I mean, it's, 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 
it has been much less correlated to to the the American markets, which has been kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so welcome, guys. Henrik, welcome. Jeroen, welcome. Uh, nice to see you guys again. If you're here, you can unmute yourselves. We can... Yeah, I, I'm here. Hey. Great, great, great. What do you... Wh- What's your thinking? Are you watching? Are you watching this Dixie? Are you watching the, the the dollar index? Are you watching the markets before the the PCE numbers? I am watching the two year treasury yield. Okay, let me quickly let me quickly call up the two year treasury yield, which is the US zero two Y. Yeah, yeah, four seventy three, four seventy three. Wow. Okay, I see, and, this, and, I see and, it is. It is. Yeah, and, and the reason why I'm watching this is because in the short term, there's a very strong relationship between uh, the P.E. ratio or the forward P.E. ratio, both of them, uh, of the S&P 500 index and this uh, two-year treasury yield. And, and what we see now is that there's a big divergence. So the two-year yield is, is spiking, it's moving up uh, as, as more uh, rate hikes are being priced in. But the BE ratio, which is still uh, around 19, has not moved in recent months on, on average. So there's this big gap between these two uh, variables. And, and if, and if uh, so either the U.S., uh, uh, two-year treasury yield has to come down a lot, but yeah, the odds of that happening is not that great, I think. Uh, or the uh, PE ratio should come down. And if earnings stay the same, so if there's no change, then we are looking at a 10% decline in the S&P 500 index to get the PE ratio back to where it belongs uh, based on this two-year yield. So that's why I'm watching uh, uh, that in particular. Wow. Okay, so the two-year treasury yield is not, is another one that I'm watching. I see the one-year treasury yields at five point oh five. I mean, that's pricing in quite quite an aggressive uh, increase in rates, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's the same. So you can also take the one-year or six months. It, it's it makes the same, but you see that the two-year uh, is 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 basically on. Uh, so you also get some information in on what happens after the tightening cycle ends, right? So that, that's why I, I tend to look at the two-year yield. But but the one-year yield. Uh, basically the, uh, the same. All of them are moving higher. Uh, more rate hikes are being priced in, but the valuation is not following. And uh, yeah, something has got to give here. Yeah. Awesome. Listen, I see we've got, we've got uh, the Kobisi letter with us. Uh, I'm a big follower of the account. I love the content. Great alpha content. If you're not following the Kobisi letter, uh, maybe it's a good time to, to be following them. Welcome, man. Hey, Ren. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. I'm glad, I'm glad we could join. I actually just shared a yeah. tweet at the top of the space. It's like crazy times right now. We had this whole Fed pivot thing pick up for the last two months, and then now we're right back to where we were before, 50 bips rate hike back on the table, like you said. So inter- interested to see what's going to happen in 20, 23 minutes. What's your, what's your bet in terms of the rate hike for, uh, for, for March? I know, I know that right now it's on 24% on a 50 bips, um, and a 76% on a 25 bips. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be a 50. I think there's definitely a higher chance now, like you said. I, I mean, I do think that the Fed really has, they haven't been in the business of shocking the market in terms of the like the headline raise. It's always almost been um, in, in line with consensus since this whole tightening cycle started. But I think what's really what's really going to be the case is that rates are going to go higher than people were expecting. We, I mean, people were thinking rates would top out at five percent at one point. Now, if you look at, um, you know, the Fed fund futures, there's 
I mean, there's a very small percentage, but there's a percentage chance that we go to 6% or even 5.75%. So I don't know about, I mean, and actually it's looking like we're at 27% now for a 50 bips rate hike in March. So if this report yeah. comes in a lot hotter than expected, I mean, we could see that move even closer to 50-50 in, in our view. You know, it's funny because the market seems to be super nervous. You know, like this this uh, 50 basis point rate hike was at 4% like 10 days ago. And now it's at 27%. So the market's super jittery here. Um, what, what's, your, what's your thinking in terms of where the PCE data comes? Do you think we're going to get a little bit of a shock? Do you think it's going to be above the 0.4.5 month on month? I mean, everything is, it has been pointing. I mean, for this whole, every data point this month has been above expectations. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think that, and like you said, this market is like, it's like addicted to inflation data. It can't move until the next data point comes out or the next Fed speaker comes out. So, I mean, today we have all that at once. We have data, five Fed speakers. And I mean, futures are already down 200 points on the Dow. We're down 30 points on the S&P. So, it looks like, uh, I mean, I would not be surprised to see a hotter than expected number, but obviously no one really knows until the data comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm putting money on a 50 basis point rate hike. I think once these numbers come out with the, with the GDP data being so strong, with the jobless data being, with the high, you know, the jobless data being um, low, lower than expected, um, this economy is, I mean, the truth is that this economy is really too strong at the moment. That, that's, that's, I think, I think that's what, just... what you're seeing is there's a big, there's a growing divide within the Fed. There's, there's half the Fed, or I mean half, I don't know the exact number, but there's a, there's a portion of the, of the FOMC that thinks a quote-unquote soft landing is still possible, so they don't want to raise rates too aggressively. They want to you know, do just enough to get inflation down, maybe see the labor market stay strong. But then there's another half that just says, Look, if we want inflation to go down, we got to, I mean, demand side inflation is, is supply side inflation is out of control. We got to go further with this, with this tightening cycle. And I, th- I mean, that's the camp that we're in. I think the, the a 50 bips rate hike would be smart in the longer run, but there's a lot of factors at play here. So I think the Fed, though, is increasingly divided. And that's why Powell at his last uh, press conference, he he was reluctant to even really talk about what other, you know, outlook for other people on the Fed because he doesn't really want to, you know, he, everyone has their own view right now. So it definitely is a crossroad and I think it's going to create a lot of opportunity in the market. It's funny because I actually, when Bullard was speaking the other day, I actually thought to myself, you know, the, the Fed doesn't actually feel very aligned in their approach. It, it almost feels like there's, there's maybe two camps in the Fed at the moment. You know, yeah, one absolutely. one that's more I mean, dovish and, and saw, one that's more I don't hawkish. Know if you saw the minutes, but in the in the latest minutes, they, there was literally a line that said, uh, "quote unquote," a few Fed members would have been okay with a fifty bips rate hike. With a fifty um, bips rate hike, I read that. Right. I read that. So there's yeah. definitely a, a, a divide. Yeah, and and I saw that also that for the first time in a long time, we actually have a a a terminal Fed fund rate above six percent. Uh, uh, creeped up. So if you look at the the July 26th of July 2023 FOMC meeting, there's a, it's a tiny chance, 0.1% uh, of a 6 or 6.25 uh, um, interest rate, which is like, that's that's the first time that that's, that's uh, uh, reared its ugly head. Yep. For everyone that's that's wondering where we're getting these percentages, I just shared the tweet um, in the space that's it's something that the CME group publishes. It's called the FedWatch tool. It's, it's extremely useful if you're 
trading anything relating to the Fed. Yeah, are you yeah, watching the I... Dixie? Are you watching? Uh, are you watching the Dixie? Because I mean, back at one hundred five, I mean, that's quite like that's quite heavy. Yeah, of course. I mean, we've been short gold now for um, the last hundred or so dollars on the way down. Um, I, I mean, the you know Dixie's completely relying on what's going to happen here, and and also look at the ten year; it's at three point nine one. If that starts to inch closer to or or above four percent, I mean, now now that's a completely different narrative than. A Fed pivot, right? What about the fact that China is is? I mean, I, I want to say in in stimulus almost. I mean, China is 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 not tightening anymore. I've been talking about the fact that Bitcoin is a very global asset, and that you know it doesn't matter where the liquidity is coming from in the world. It's it's a it's a custodian of that liquidity, and so now you have this situation where you've got the ECB and the US tightening, but at the same time you've got Japan. And China completely loosening or or easing, and you're getting this very like strange dynamic. I mean, are you are you are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, um, I mean, I think you know, I think a lot of what's happening right now is that um, the different parts of the market are showing different risk profiles. Like you you saw crypto, for example, like you mentioned, it bounced, it came back. Bitcoin approached 25k and started to fade. But at the same time, you have stocks off the highs, but then you have bonds fall. It, it, there's so many mixed signs. It's something that we've been talking about, too. So I think that also has to do with liquidity. There's just different liquidity factors going on in different parts of the markets, especially when you start talking about stimulus and what's happening in China, especially with China reopening. And it, there's just so many different headwinds in every market that I think that's why you're seeing these kind of mixed narratives around the board. Yeah. Henrik, any views, any views that you've got on Bitcoin as a global asset being a beneficiary, a benefactor of, of global liquidity? I wonder if we can, uh, I think you muted. Could you yeah. repeat the question? Okay. Sorry. What was that? Yeah. I was saying any views on, on Bitcoin being a, a, a custodian of global liquidity versus, um, uh, um, you know, U.S. liquidity, which is obviously shrinking, but the global liquidity is actually either even or maybe even increasing. If you, I think China and Japan are a little bit more aggressive in their quantitative yeah. easing, yeah. easing than 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 the U.S. is in and the ECB are in the tightening phase. Yeah, there's definitely an argument, um, but I think you know you, you need liquidity. That's one component here. But for a sustained rally, sustained breakout, you also just need more risk appetite in the market i mean right now it, it's it's like it, it's a combination of fomo and then also fundamental buying but then there's also fundamental selling and, and everyone's a little bit confused as to what's happening so i think the liquidity definitely is a factor and that has been one of the pros for bitcoin and crypto as a whole um and if you can start to see some more risk appetite in the market um you know that that'll really start to fare well for bitcoin but look i mean the fact that and, and a lot of people ask us about crypto. Um, and, you know, what do we always say is the fact that Bitcoin is still trading at 24,000 after one of the biggest, you know, fraud scandals of all time in crypto. We've had one of the most brutal bear markets we've seen since, you know, 2001 for stocks and all the all these headwinds going on regulation, this and that. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. That's, that proves how resilient Bitcoin has been so far. So, um you know, we think the bigger coins 
are they're they're here to stay. The, the more speculative ones, obviously, are harder to comment on. Yeah, are, are you guys? I mean, do you guys write research? Do you guys write research on 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 crypto as well, or do you just write more macro research? We typically don't write research on uh, crypto. We do comment um, a little bit on our. We have a you know like a subscriber only private Twitter feed where we do comment a little bit on crypto. But our uh, written research is more focused on, you know, macro, macro trends um, in equities, commodities, and bonds, and some options. Yeah. Henrik, are you, are you with us? I see that you're here. I'm not sure if, you, if you're muted. No, I'm with, I'm with you. Oh, there he is. What do you, what do you think? Are we, still, are we still in Goldilocks? Is, is Goldilocks still in play? 100%. Nothing has changed. I mean, the, the inflation no. is coming down. The um, economy is um, is still good. Um, there is no uh, no no recession at this point. We do know, and this is when it comes to and uh, you know listening to what we talk about here with the Fed. Um, everybody seems to be looking at what the magician does with the hand, where he wants to mislead the crowd. What we need to be looking at is the the leading, the coincident, and the lagging indicators. And rates is a lagging indicator. And the coincident indicators right now, sorry, the, the leading indicators right now have been plummeting. And this will come to the coincident and the lagging. And the lagging indicators is, a, it's, is rates. So what we're going to see is rates come down really strong. And if you look at it technically also, you'll see both at the 10-year and the 2-year and everything else also have strong resemblances to what we had in 2007. So I say what we are in right now, we are in the Goldilocks period that you had also in 2007 where the leading indicators had been topping out, the rates were still very high, and you actually had a period of time where it was going sideways, and, uh, but, the, but the crisis was coming. So no changes here. I mean, the, the recession is 100% coming. There's not, no such thing as a soft landing. Uh, it's coming Q3, I think, of, of this year. Uh, but until then, it'll be, uh, and until Q, you know, late Q2, it'll be probably uh, be very, very strong uh, rally from here. And I... I see that uh, today could be a good uh, good place to to actually see go higher because I do see a, a second wave bottoming out just around where the levels we are now in the stock market. Wow. Okay. So are, and and so you and so you're not expecting a shock to the market with these uh, with the, with the PCE numbers today and just in general well, you're not expecting like, inflation. Like everybody is expecting somewhat of a uh, of you know a bad number or something like that. And again, we also have to remember. That, as I said, the, the PCE number is an indication of uh, something that happened uh, some months ago. So the PCE number is a lagging indicator on the business cycle. And the Fed very well knows this. So the leading indicators that we look at that everybody can see that have been plummeting so much, they are the ones that tells us what's ahead of us. So whether the PCE pl plummets today or whether it's you know, going to have a small, a higher number than everybody expects and we see an overreaction in the market on that, I don't know about that, but but I do know that what the leading indicator tells me is PCE, inflation and rates are coming down. And if you look at if you look at lumber, if you look at natural natural gas, and you look everywhere, you have you have seen these massive tops and the commodities coming down strongly. And that's this is what we saw just in the opposite direction going into 21, which was what caused the inflation spike. So I think people are looking a little too much to what the Fed is doing. And little too little on what the market actually is telling us. So, so where should we be looking? Where, where like, if, if we want to know the truth and we want to know where this market's going, where where should we be focused? 
but well, I think we should be looking at the leading leading coincidental lagging indicators. So the leading indicators will be, you know, first of all, what we have seen with uh, M2, uh, so the monetary base. Uh, what we see in terms of also uh, the permit housing permits, we see the housing market absolutely crashing. And this tells us, that, you know, we know everybody here has. If you have a house, you know, that's a big part of your economy. And if your house become, you know, less sellable, uh, is worth less, you'll be spending less money. And this is the point. This, this is the problem. And the problem is that the rates have been going up. So people that sit, you know, with variable loans, they will also have to pay more. Variable mortgage loans, they will have to pay more. This is why that's a big thing in terms of where the market is heading. So this is something that will come down the road. This is not something that comes overnight because it will take, you know, some time before it really sneaks into the to people's economies and it really, you know, starts to affect it. And really, be first in this first six months, we we're going to see this this year. Then you're going to see the economy roll over because that is directly into the consumers. So we got to look at the leading indicators, which tells us right now, danger is ahead of us. And then the coincident indicators, which are the NFP numbers, the you know, employment, uh, initial claims and the like. And they are not plummeting yet. They are still there above water and actually doing quite well and telling us, no, we are not in a recession yet. But we know leading indicators tell us that we're going to be pulled down in that direction. And the lagging indicators are the last one of them. That's rates and that's inflation. And that's going to plummet later on. So for as long as the, the coincident indicators are not really taking a tumble, we're not, I'm not expecting to see that big decline in the PCEs. But inflation is coming down. And I expect also you know, to see that you know, the coming months and, and here, uh, yeah, weeks and months. What about, the, what about China? China and Japan increasing liquidity so aggressively at the moment. I mean, I, I've never seen... This kind of, of, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty new to markets, let's say, relative to people that have been here 20, 30 years, but I've never seen Japan being so aggressive. No, in, they, in, they, in, don't want, in, they, they don't want, they want to front run that downturn that they actually see. And they actually tell us that, you know, guys, whatever you try to tell us about inflation, it's going to be transitory and, and we're going to fight it right now because they can see this bigger picture of things. So they are leading the, the credit cycle here. And it's just a matter of when the Fed is going to catch up on that. Remember, the Fed follows the two-year. And the two-year two -year rate is, is, is going to plunge. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week. But, but it's going to plunge. I can promise you that. My the leading uh, indicator is uh, falling all off the cliff. Sorry, yeah. I think where I'm going with this is we, I'm, I'm witnessing a couple of things. I'm witnessing a very different picture in the East and a very different picture in the West. I'm, I'm picturing a very tightening picture in the East, in the West, and I'm, I'm picturing a very loosening picture in the West. And I'm trying to work out whether crypto, as a global asset class, um, which way crypto is going to go. Now, if I was only looking at the West, I would say, watch out for a tightening cycle, because what we know is that Bitcoin's price is a function of liquidity. But if I'm looking at it from a global point of view, then I'm going, hold on, okay, maybe the East is, is maybe the West is tightening, but the East is loosening. And if yeah, that's but, the case, then... But, but we have to think of, of cycles. And we know that the Fed is always the last one to move. So I, I don't think that there's anything different from what we've seen the other times around. And that what we see right now is that Japan and, and, and China has started to, to struggle with the problems because that's where the, you know, the, the shit hits the fan first. And we even see that the ECB now seems to have their balance sheet also bottoming out. So it's, it's, uh, and we know that Bank of uh, you know, England is the same thing. So it's, it's a matter of it's coming to the U U.S. as well. And it will, because I think people are getting a little disorganized, you know, this, uh, you know, in disarray in terms of that understanding that 
inflation is has been transitory. It has been created by the fact that demand was stimulated to, you know, bigger than after the Second World War while supply chains were breaking down. And understanding it's a lagging indicator on the economy tells us that it's something that can be sticky for a certain amount of time. But I tell you, a year from now, it'll certainly not be inflation we'll be worried about. It'll be quite the opposite. So it'll so be it'll be it'll be disinflation, slowdown in the economy. Do you think that's what's going to be what we're going to be talking about when we when we talk here a week in in, in a year? I, I think we'll be talking about you know the the size of the stimulus that the Fed is going to pump into the economy again to start you know uh, to start to to kickstart it once once one more time. The disinflationary forces now we even have Fed coming out and Powell coming out saying that are are, are you know gaining momentum. And this is also what the, my inflation deflation pendulum is telling you know you 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 start to see it you know you push the pendulum up you know the extreme direction in in the by, by this supply and demand imbalance and now it's starting to come down. Companies around. I the think. World I think in. if. Hmm? I think if I heard correctly, Paul used the word disinflation something like thirty times or twenty-five times in the last. Uh, oh, it's, it was. I don't remember the number. But it was a big number that he used the word disinflation, and it's quite exactly. weird that we've never heard him talk about this disinflation before. But now he's bringing in this whole concept but of disinflation, and he's looking at housing. Everybody knows that housing is the big thing here, and housing. If you look at that, if you look at the NAHB index. It's been plummeting. And what that tells us is also what rate, what's coming to rates later on. But again, there is a lead on it. So, so he knows that. He knows that the things are not good. I mean, that is not good in housing. And that normally is, those are the worst crises we had when housing is really hit. So, you know, back in the dot-com crisis, we didn't have a, a big uh, housing crisis. And, and that was why the, the, the recession was relatively mild. Whereas during the financial crisis, it was rather big. And this time around, I think it's going to be even bigger. I uh, just want to interject so, for a second here. We've got Gareth Soloway has just joined us. Um, I mean, the Bitcoin chart's basically been oh, nice. trading in a $300 range for the last over 24 hours now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think less than five minutes, we're going to get some results. And it'll be good to have Gareth's thoughts on, 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 the, on what the charts could be doing. Gareth, are you trading this? Yeah, I'm I'm locked and loaded here just in case there's any sort of opportunity. Like don't... Listening mode. No, can can you guys hear well, me? What... Yeah, we can, we can. Okay, I good, can good. Can you guys so you say you lock you you're locked and loaded. How locked and loaded are you? Which direction are you locked and loaded in? Well, so for the most part, I, I wait to see the reaction, right? So, so it's it's the immediate reaction that you'll see kind of an overreaction in. So, oftentimes when I'm trading this, what I'll do is I'll look for like the initial surge to one direction, and then I'll honestly I usually fade that move. Um, that's more of a day trader's move. It's looking for resistance levels if we pop tremendously or or supports, and you'll see this gyration. Usually, markets they find their their balance. Initially, they're imbalanced because they're reacting to news because there's emotion on the news, and then they'll find their balance afterwards so so it's it's to be honest the the safer play is to wait to see what it is which is what i'm doing i'm just ready to go like i'm i have my my s&p spiders lo- uh loaded up and and i'm even keeping an eye uh, on bitcoin here i also i have exactly that i'm i'm sitting here i've got three screens in front of me i've got uh i've got uh, um uh, uh a whole lot of charts open um i see kobisi letters just asking to be added. fred if you can just add kobisi as a speaker again yeah uh, what i can do that we'll do. yeah we'll do if you yeah. could just make me sorry I, yeah gareth what about this app's super glitchy so if you could just make me co-host again i could i had to no go problem. And come back on thanks but no problem 
There we go. Um, Gareth, what do you think of a Dixie at 105? So it's been rallying this morning, which is telling us that the uh, market expects a hot number. So, um, again, my guess is is that there's a decent chance we could fade that rally. Uh, it looks a little overbought on the Dixie on the on the 10-minute chart. So um, be interesting to see. But basically what that's telling me is the market is pricing in. It's going to be a little bit of a hot number. Where do you think the Dixie is going in, in the longer term? Not the 10-minute charts, but say the next three months or six months? Um, at least, I mean, it's hard to know on the, in the next, I would say in the next six months to the downside, I'm favoring, but I do think that there might be a little bit more upside to 105.50. 105.50 is a major pivot point on the Dixie chart. And if we do tag that, then I would start looking for a reversal in the Dixie. I mean, 105.50 is not far away. It's, 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 50, it's 50 bips away from where we are today. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So it, it actually, I mean, if we rally on the number and hit it um, and that causes a sell-off in in assets, I would be looking if we hit that level to start scooping up some of the beaten down assets. I mean, I'm looking at it now. This 105 is also a very critical level. It's the resistance, it's the resistance against the trend line. It's like literally touching that, that the trend line that it's been on since May 21. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're, 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 I mean, the risk reward, right? The dollars had a rally from 101, basically now back to 105. So you've already had this move up, which is kind of the ratcheting up of expectations of hikes and inflation. Um, and now you're starting to get towards resistance, which tells you that pendulum may swing the other way a little bit um, in the near term here over the next week or two. Yeah. Okay. So we've got about 30 seconds to go before the PCE is going to come out. We're looking for a month. I'm keeping... point. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the tier 10 account. So I'm just refreshing it as soon as it comes in. I'll drop you guys. In yeah, I'm also, I'm, also, I'm also very much on that tier 10 account. Very good account if you're not following it. At tier 10K, uh, that's where we get the live data from. Um, just if you're also, if you're not following all the speakers here, follow the speakers. They've all been very well curated. Um, these are not just people that have jumped on, but people that we work with all the time and are, are very high alpha um, accounts. So if you guys aren't following the speakers, just take a second now and just follow all the speakers. And if you want to speak, just uh, ping us in, in my inbox. Uh, Fred is monitoring the inbox or ping Fred on his inbox. He's monitoring it. And, you know, you can, if you've got something you want to say, if you've got an opinion or view, that's what these things are all about. So, yeah, I mean, feel free to join the conversation. Okay, core PCE month on month 0.6% versus the estimate of 0.4%. So, I think we can expect a little bit of carnage on the markets now. Um, I mean, it's not it's not not a bad miss. It's 0. 0.6 versus 0. 0.4. Um, the market, the the analysts were expecting a 0. 0.5. I am looking at the US 30, the Dow down 300 points. I'm looking at the Nasdaq about 120 points down. The Dixie now over 105, 105.1 uh, on the Dixie. So that's so we so we got the numbers. Um, I mean, I don't. They, they came in hotter than expected, but I don't think too hot. I don't know. What do you guys think, Gareth? No, what do you think? Yeah. Are you are you putting in a trade? Uh, yeah. Like the markets are doing a lot of move here. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a yeah within expectations it seems so far. Right. Yeah, a little bit of a, a sell-off on the S and P here. Um, I'm looking to potentially enter the spiders the below three ninety. Not the um, the um, the futures doesn't seem to be moving yeah. much lower here just at this point. But I may be wrong. It feels. It sounds to me like Henrik. Uh, it sounds to me like you can't hear Gareth, and Gareth can't hear you. I wonder if you just jump off and jump back on the stream and just see if you can then hear. Because it, it seems to me like uh, 
like um like the two of you can't hear each other is, is that right i i can hear henrik yeah i can hear him okay so it's just henrik can't hear gareth which is it's a twitter spaces problem it keeps doing that henrik i wonder if you want to jump off and jump back on we'll add you back a speaker straight away uh, i have the same issue so you have to get off and on <laughs> This. Yeah, so, I think I think he I think he's doing that. Yeah. Well, what is interesting, of course. All right, so the market. Yeah, I, I just pull, I just pinned the numbers uh, at the top of the space. Everyone's wondering. I mean, this is this is the fifth uh, consecutive higher than expected inflation data point this month. I mean, I know you guys are saying it wasn't that much hotter than expected. I mean, we're four point seven percent core PCE year over year versus four point three expected. That's significantly higher. Looking at the Fed fund futures, we're now about we're at 30% chance of a 50 bips rate hike, which is up about 3%. I still think that's going to keep going up. I think we're going to end up at a 50-50 um, by this, you know, March 22nd Fed meeting of a 50 bips rate hike. So I think this is a pretty hawkish report. For- what is also yeah, what is also interesting on this number, of course, is that it's a slow but a marginal acceleration compared to the previous month, right? So we, we saw the incoming data higher than expected, but still the narrative could be, yes, but inflation is coming down. And actually these numbers now show that uh, when it comes to the PCE data, inflation is not coming down. It's higher than the previous months, with, which are revi- revised upwards. So I also think this That's is rare. pretty hawkish. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think I, I, I share the sentiment that you guys are all saying here where that where it does feel that every single number is missed to the wrong side the jobless claims was also lower than expected the gdp was higher than expected the cpi numbers were higher than expected the pce numbers now higher than expected so it does feel like it does feel like maybe another 50 basis point rate hike is actually warranted if if we believe that these 50 basis point rate hikes are going to stop the inflation problem but the, the rates are down since the announcement now. The 10 years down. Yeah, and the dollar popped initially, but now it's pulling back. So, yeah. I mean, this is what this is the key, right, is you want to watch to see what the dollar does, and that's going to tell you where the markets had priced it in. So even if the number comes in hotter, it's, impro- it's important for us to recognize that the market may have priced that in, which is why we're not seeing a bigger reaction on the sell side. Yeah, yeah so, so it's moved further than uh... – Further than within a hundred dollar range, it's still holding up pretty well. Surprisingly, usually, usually when this happens, usually when this happens, generally the you know the, the market's reaction is the worst as it happens, and then it, it usually gets better. So, kind of expect Bitcoin to go up from here. I expect the markets to go up from here as well. I expect the Dixie to come down from here. I think that's usually the, the first the first reactions or is the strongest reaction. Yeah, I try to see uh, Jennifer Ablin in the in the crowd there. I've sent you a speaker invite. You're welcome to join if you feel like it. It should be in your inbox. Sorry, carry on, Ren. Yeah. Guys, does this increase the chances of, of this recession that everyone's talking about? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, it just means the Fed's going to stay, even if they don't continue to raise rates, rates aren't coming down anytime soon. And there's only so much. I mean, if you look at personal debt levels, like credit card debt, it's now at all-time highs again. I mean, there's there's the beginning signals of stress on the consumer, and eventually that will break. The consumer is always the backbone of the economy, and there's only so much that they can take, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I, I, yeah. I think the America, I think right. Go ahead. 
I just I saying think, I, I live in Seattle and uh, things are getting so bad here. They're cutting off food stamps from people. They're, um, and everything is so expensive. It just hasn't hit home here yet. It's just the beginning. Yeah, I mean, no, I think I think the inflation, I think the inflation is definitely is definitely real. Uh, I think the fifty basis point rate hike is also actually very real. Uh, I'm watching a twenty seven percent of a fifty basis point rate hike uh, in on the twenty second of March when the when the Fed meet. Um, yeah, my, I mean, markets, markets. Yeah, I think they were pricing in this news. To be honest, can can I say something on that fifty basis points? Uh, yeah, go for yeah, it. yeah, because. Um, if you look at the incoming data, so economy stronger than expected, inflation higher than expected, and now the PC number showing an acceleration. Uh, but we have to take into account, and that's why I don't think uh, it will go to 50-50. Um, it does require a whole new forward guidance. Eh? So, so now it's very clear. Uh, Powell will continue hiking rates at a 25 basis points uh, pace until the Fed thinks it's enough. And every time... The, the dot plot and our expectations and the Fed futures, they have to go uh, up further. But it's, it's clear. If you increase by 50 basis points, then either I would expect that they say, like Bullard uh, is, is hinting on this, so get there as quick as possible so we can stop. But if you then say again, we don't know where the end is, I think then you cause a lot of um, uh, uncertainty, uh, which... Powell has tried to take it away in the last couple of FOMC meetings, right? So, so I would be surprised, actually, if they would revert to a faster pace of rate hikes, because then their story must change. And if they don't want to upset markets, I don't know if that is a part of their um, 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 discussion, of course, but it will make things very complicated. Whereas if you say, okay, I'm sorry, we have to take it one uh, more and we can show that in the upcoming dot plot. Uh, I expect that some members actually can put in a 6% uh, terminal rate, but, but I, I think that the path chosen is very clear. Uh, it has to be adjusted in, 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 in the terminal rate, but not the pace. So changing the pace as well, I think will yeah, do a lot of harm uh, uh, to markets. So I don't know what you guys think, but but that's my idea. Why right? that won't change that that easily? The, I mean, there is a school of thought that says that the Fed should maybe just keep rates as they are, just for a little bit, just to give rates a chance to really reflect in the economy. Because there is there's a school of thought that says that the effects of the of the um, uh, rate hikes still haven't been felt, like. It's almost like the Fed are raising and raising and raising, not not actually giving it enough time to measure the the results of these rate hikes. Well, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I, I think that the Fed is aware that a lot of the other macro data is weakening, and so it's it's just taking longer than expected. I think for inflation to really get under control, but they're not going to. You know, the, I agree that they're not going to be changing the policy at this point. I, I don't think you're going to get a twenty, a fifty basis point hike at the next meeting. I think they might do a couple more twenty fives, but like like um, like you guys said, I mean, it's just it's got to stay within their their projection at this point. They're not going to adjust everything. That would be too much market disruption um, and potential ca catastrophic effects on the overall market. So, yeah, I'm in the camp that 
that they stay at 25 for March and maybe they do another one after. But keep in mind, next Friday, we get the jobs report, the non-farm payrolls report. So now that, you know, that comes in weaker, all of a sudden we go the other way and say, wait a minute, maybe maybe the the jobs are now weakening and, and they might not have to hike as much. Uh, okay, so Gareth says a 25 basis point rate hike. Uh, Kabisi letter, what do you guys say? 25, 50, well, what's your bet? I think right now, um, I mean, it's still in line with 25, but we have a month until this, this decision comes out. So I'm not, I, I'm not, and while it looks like we just um, jumped to 33%, chance i'm going to make an update tweet on this in a second but we just jumped a 33 percent chance briefly on a 50 bips rate hike which is up six percent um since you know 10 minutes ago so i i still think we're um we're we're, we're gonna near a 50 50 actually as this as this develops so I'm, I'm not ruling out a 50 bips rate hike at this point okay i'm so I, i'm in the camp of a 50 I, i'm in the camp that in the next 22 days we go to towards a 50 basis point rate hike. And I think that the justification that the Fed will have is to say, look, we had the numbers under control. The numbers were decreasing, but now the numbers are actually starting to increase a little bit. We got to, we got to be, I think they called it front loading. We got to be front loading the numbers as much as we, as much as we can uh, while we can, while the economy is still hot, while the jobless claims are still low, while the the growth numbers are still there, and so I'm I'm putting my money. If I if I were to put my chips, I put my chips onto uh, a 50 basis point rate hike. Um, Henrik, what do you think? I do. Henrik, if you're there, let me know. Yeah, you're, sure, you're on I'm mute. Here, yeah, yeah. Let me know what you think. I don't know. Yeah, 25, whatever, 0.25, something like that. I don't know. It, it's it's really, but again. We have to remember that the whole thing of it, we, we talk so much about what the Fed is going to do, but this is about the market. The market has done this already to us. The market has brought up the rates really, really quick. And this is the consequence. This is what the, the, the consumers are feeling. So, you know, it's, it's, it's already there and it's been working for quite some time. And I, you know, whatever the Fed is going to do, I don't think it has too tremendous you know, effect on, on the market anyway. Uh, the consumers are now, you see consumer confidence is coming up quite a, a, a bit or some, uh, we see that inflation has been coming down. And but then we talk about, you know, this, you know, small, you know, miss here, which I don't take, you know, I don't think it's a big thing. So whether it's going to be 0.25, 0 or 0.25 or 0.5, you know, I don't know. But it depend, you know, depends on, on the NFP numbers. And, uh, and if they look rather strong, well, you know, all could be in the uh, 0.25 and 0.5 could definitely be the end. Uh, Jerome, what do you think? Yeah, as, as mentioned, I, I think they, they would make their lives unnecessary um, uh, difficult. So, so and, 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 and based on the, the last, for me, somewhat surprising press conference of Powell, where he was yeah, relatively dovish compared to the previous ones, uh, I think the, there is... Uh, a tendency within the Fed or the FOMC to have a wait and see approach, uh, uh, but at the same time they see that the inflation numbers are coming down uh, more slowly than expected, uh, and and the economy is is holding up well. So so they are forced uh, uh, to continue also because they have to regain credibility. Yeah? They lost that on the way up, uh, of course. Um, but but I would be surprised. So if I would. If I was Powell, I would stick the course and then again give a hawkish message in the sense that, well, we don't know 
if 5.5 or 5.75, if you look at the upper bound, is, is the, and we, ha we have to continue. Uh, and that is, of course, but if you change the pace, um, you get a lot of speculation on, does that mean that there can be another 50 basis points? Or uh, uh, is this then the, the theoretical pivot? So, so um, I don't think the, the Fed will be forced um, uh, to do 50 basis points. That, that, that is my general idea. Of course, the risks are uh, moving toward that. But, but I would stick to the 25 basis points and, and, and continue telling the markets, yeah, we don't know how much more, but yeah, until the job is done, as he always says, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Freddie, what do you think? I wonder if Fred's here. Fred, are you here? I think he's he's on mute. All right, guys. Look, I think we've got. I think we've pretty much got all the all the data points here. I think the next. I mean, there, there are a couple of data points that are coming out in the next week as the jobless numbers are coming out next week. I guess let's keep watching. I see the the Dixie is now at one hundred five point one five, so it, it is creeping up. I see Bitcoin twenty three thousand seven hundred sixty eight. I see the the S and P five hundred is down one point three percent. I see that the Nasdaq is down. Almost two percent, one point eight percent. Dow's down half a percent. So market didn't like Ram, this data very much. If I may jump in quickly, uh, just a heads up. So what I'm starting to do now is we're we're watching the Dixie get towards that one hundred five fifty level. I started to nibble on a little gold down here, uh, GLD around this one sixty eight seventy level. So again, I'm starting to just accumulate as the dollar gets into resistance. If it pulls back, that's good for gold. And on the other side, if the markets go into free fall because of panic, then what what benefits probably gold as well right so to me the gold is gold right now is probably the smart move Jared, in this market so that's what I'm, I'm nibbling right now would you be taking uh any any longs on on some larger cap altcoins or, or bitcoin at this point no not me not me now I'm, I'm i'm mostly i have a few shorts out there right now i'm a little bit long bitcoin but for the most part um it just concerns me that the markets seem like they could be getting to a cliff dive and that's just bad for for risk assets like crypto so i'm as long as we stay below 25 if we break 25 then it's a clear shot to 30 for me um but again as long as we're below 25 i think the the pressure could be to the downside i know your thesis is 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 bitcoin's uh inevitable inevitable bottom would be somewhere between the nine and 12k range do you think um in your opinion would this be the beginning of that journey towards 912k or would you would you be quite comfortable punting along around let's say anywhere uh 21.5 oh my goodness uh can you ask me in six months no i'm just kidding uh but um yeah i mean uh, <laughs> It's so tough to know, right? So, I mean, the way I the way I trade, right, is that when we're up against resistance, my I'm bearish, right? And if we break resistance, then you flip to the next level above it. So, right now, I think this could be the start. Um, the only way I would say that the bottom on Bitcoin is in for me is if we get above 30 and hold above 30. But then we recapture the psychological 2021 lows, that middle of the cycle um, M pattern. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I mean, at some point, I do still think we're headed down. Okay, I know Henrik uh, has, has the thesis of, of blow off the top over the next, I think, I don't know, 12 to 18 months. But Gareth, are you of the opinion that, you know, basically until TradFi finds a bottom over the next, I don't know, 12, 18 months too, according to your thesis, Bitcoin won't find a bottom. The, 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 this decorrelation, decoupling is short-lived and basically going to become a meme in the next month or two or three. Yeah, so so what, what were we comparing there? Sorry, I missed that last little part. 
So I was just saying, basically, Bitcoin won't bottom over the medium to long term until 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 traditional markets bottom. So that any any talk of decorrelation or decoupling is is basically short lived and and will become a meme. Yeah, so I, I think that that's true in the near term. So I do think that you're going to see the stock market head lower, and that's going to drag Bitcoin and crypto assets down. I think the trigger for a potential inverse relationship where Bitcoin actually starts to move up in spite of the stock market be, becoming weak and potentially being weak for the next multiple years is is that regulation. So if we can get that clarity where institutions then start saying, okay, well, the stock market and earnings in the economy, they're all mm-hmm. looking bad. Where do we put our money? Well, right now, there's no way they're putting it in crypto, right? Because there's just no clarity. There's there's too many shady things. They want to see what the SEC says. But you get that clarity. And I could see like later this year, for sure, a bottom in Bitcoin, even if the stock market continues down, you could see some bigger money rotating into to, into assets like Ether and uh, and Bitcoin. Okay. And, and and I know, so you're a trader. Um, I think, you know, I consider you to be one of the, the more credible, talented traders in the space. I think a lot of a lot of people in, in our community do too. Um what other than playing it level by level and, and, and kind of playing the charts day by day or week by week, what other data or advice to other traders, what, what, what other data would, should they or could they be looking at to, to just provide more context on this uh, other than, than just the charts? Is there any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think the dollar is a hugely important chart. I think you guys have covered that quite a bit. You know, so you want to really follow the dollar. If you look at when Bitcoin bottomed, it's essentially when the dollar topped out. So we can see that inverse relationship there. And then I think you just want to really keep an eye on. Uh, for me, it's it's huge about watching not only the levels, but also the sentiment, right? So when you see the roar of Bitcoin bulls getting kind of to the unbelievable level, that's when, uh, you know, in individual investors and traders need to be a little bit more careful, like start to recognize those signals. Early on in my career, I didn't, and I got caught off guard and I got in at the highs and I bought it that, you know, I, I shorted at, at the lows, all the bad things because it just seemed like the right move because everyone was roaring that way and it caught me emotionally off guard and I, I reacted emotionally. What we all have to start to do is just start to say, okay, start paying attention to the roar of, of everyone else and, and be careful. When everyone's bullish and, and insanely bullish, be careful. When everyone's really panicked, that's when you nibble just a little bit. Yeah, it's true. It's just so hard to navigate this market. I mean, it's, it's, you, the, the sentiment can switch. The extremes can switch in a space of hours. So it really yeah. is tough to kind of get a grasp on what the true sentiment is, especially, yeah, I'd say, you know, there, there's a handful that are, are bullish and pretty certain that there's going to be at least another big leg up. And then yeah. you can get a $1,000 drop in Bitcoin and, you know, it's off to new lows. So. It is a bit of a tough yeah, one to and, navigate. And also, and also, folks, I mean, one of the things that I had to learn the hard way, too, when I, when I was a trader early on is that, like, position size matters, right? I mean, you know, the bigger your position size is, if you're putting all your money in Absolutely. one crypto, you're going to be more emotional, which means that you're going to be more um, influenced by the crowd and, and basically the market. The market is like a shark, and you're like the little minnow swimming, swimming around. So you want to be the yeah. nimble one. You don't want to be the one that puts everything in, and then you're reacting emotionally when something happens, the, if you have a small amount in, you say, okay, let me go to the chart or let me think logically versus if you're all in, you're not thinking logically. Absolutely. That's great advice. TKL, I see you have your hand up. Go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I just penned a tweet. Um, I think everybody in this space should, should take a look. It's basically the current, you know, we've been talking about the current rate hike odds at various meetings. Um, 33% now. 
of a 50 bips rate hike in March. Keep in mind, we're, we're still almost a month away, so a lot can change to both directions. But, I mean, so, there, there's literally an extremely small chance of 6% plus rates, right? 6.2% 6, 6 yeah. chance if you go towards 6%. So, um, anyone you think that's that 33% could be, could be 50% before the end of this week? Well, this is the end um, of the week, isn't it? Well, sorry, over the next, let's say, in the next three to five days. Mm, I mean, I don't know. I think we need more data points, right? I think once we see the next job, if the next jobs number comes in, like what happened in January, um, the Fed's going to be extremely in an extremely difficult spot because you're, you know, they don't want, they, they literally want unemployment to rise right now. And we're, we're in the exact opposite of that situation. And now you have five can... consecutive data points. With how high, can, higher than expected inflation. How can unemployment how can unemployment rise when you've literally cut off all the immigration to the United States? You're not getting in all the immigrants that you were getting in before COVID, and that was that was causing a lot of the unemployment was the fact that you had a constant inflow of people into the United States, but you don't have the constant inflow of people into the United States anymore. I mean, it's I, I think right. that I mean I mean. You've, you've literally. I mean, the, the labor market in itself is an extremely complex topic, but that that is an aspect of the Fed's even commented on that on how immigration's Im impacting the numbers. Also, the the other thing people are you know there's 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 theories is oh people are taking on multiple jobs now. There, there's so many different theories going on, but I think what the, what happens? Sorry, I have yeah. a question for you. So, what happens if 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 the system begins to to, to show cracks and give signs of you know, maybe in the credit markets that the Fed is looking would would use the symptoms to to inject more liquidity, but things like the job numbers are, you know, accelerating. Um, yeah, I mean, know, that's how honestly would they, how would they balance that decision? Where where on one side you've got jobs that are you know through the roof and and go doing the opposite of what they want to do, but on the other side you're already starting to see symptoms uh, in the market that would be the beginning of the phase where that would you know end in the Fed injecting liquidity back into the system how i mean i think we know yeah, i think we know we're near there i think we're not even at the end of the rate hiking cycle we the, the market's not even pricing in any rate cuts now not like you the market looks about 12 months forward and in the next 12 months the market cannot see any rate cuts that's that's where the market is at the moment so i think we're very 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 far away from talking about the end of this this this, this raising cycle more than that, I'm now looking at the charts. For the next three meetings, the market is expecting rate hikes. So at least the next three meetings, we, we, we're expecting rate hikes, at least. Right. And, I mean, to, to answer that, that question, though, I mean, in the case where you do have – that's kind of the, the, the dream scenario right now. I mean, that's like the most bullish case, I feel like, where you have the, the labor market, you, you might see unemployment rise a little bit towards, like, 3.94%. .9, but then that, I mean, if the Fed can do that and get inflation back to their 2% annual run rate target, then they'll successfully, in their words, say you got a soft landing, right? That's a soft landing argument. But I'm, I, I tend to agree with Rand that I, I don't think we're at the end of this tightening cycle yet. Um, and I do think, I mean, I think rates going as high as 55 5.75% 5 .5 is extremely likely now after what we've been seeing. What about, I mean, so I know that markets, we think that rate hikes means market, markets continue to go down. I think that's the common perception is 
for as long as rates are going up, markets are going to continue to go down. But if you look at the data, the data actually doesn't show that. The, the data actually shows that in some cycles, markets actually go up, and that's why the Fed continues to raise rates because they can. So what, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think that there is an inverse correlation between rates and markets? And as rates continue to go up, markets continue to go down? Or do you think that there's a, a point in time where markets go up and rates go up and the Fed continues to, rate, to raise rates because they can? I think, I think the, the, the thing you're explaining right here is that markets are forward-looking. I mean, like you just said, we're looking 12 months out. So whatever, by the time these, these rate hikes are implemented, they're already priced in, right? So what, if the Fed is physically raising rates, but the forward futures are projecting rate cuts, then that's, mm. why, we saw, that's why we saw the recent rally off the October low for that exact reason. So it's not it's not like, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a, there's not necessarily a, a relationship here where if they're raising rates, stocks have to go down. I don't I don't think that's the case. The thing is, the yeah. thing is, the Fed is the Fed is following the market, the real economy. How is the real economy doing? And if the real economy is doing well and the P numbers are still high and there's no initial claims is not bottoming out and starting to come up you know, dramatically, then they they say, well, things are good. They will not continue to raise rates because they do not want to cre create a credit event. They will continue to raise it until the moment where they feel that they can uh, cool down the economy. So it doesn't, you know, create too much inflation and too many jobs. And it's, you know, the whole party just, you know, keeps binging on. So that's that's the situation. And that's why normally in the normal rates, it's a good thing that the, the, that, the rate, that Fed rises rates. I don't know why it's become such a paradigm or such an understanding on FinTwit that it's a bad thing. It's actually because the economy is doing okay. And, and the Fed can see that we can actually, you know, now, you know, we need to take a little uh, to cool it down a bit. So, so the norm, it's, it's the normal uh, situation here that yeah, as long as the NFP number stays strong, we can see that the Fed can may hike. But we have to look at the market rates, guys. And this is where we, if you look at it from a technical perspective, they, you know, the two years and the 10 years, they, they are not far away from, from taking a bit pl big plunge. And that will follow what I said earlier on, the leading indicators. This is not just something the Fed controls. The Fed is not so much in control as we put, uh, we put it up here. They do not control the business cycle. And their you know, balance sheet is just you know, the same size as the ECBs. So I think we're putting a little too much faith in, in what they do. And we need to look into what is the economy doing. And that also gives much more sense in terms of why should rates be coming up or why should they be uh, declining? Yeah, guys, just a heads up. If you're not following all the speakers, uh, trust me, these are the most amazing speakers that you can that you can be following. Everybody here adds alpha in different spheres. Um, we've got TKL, who we've added recently, which is uh, which is which is um, new. We've got Jeroen, we've got uh, Henrik. So if uh, you've got Gareth, which is uh, in my mind one of the best traders out there. So if you if you're not following them, now's a great time. Just just take a second to go through the speakers. Uh, follow all the speakers because that's where you guys are going to get the alpha from. Um, look, I think uh, pretty much I think we've exhausted this. I think we've we, we, we've said what we need to say here. Um, I do want to remind you guys that these Twitter spaces that are brought to you by Banter are, are sponsored by NordVPN. We use NordVPN because it's a way to really, really, really surf anonymously. And you need to be surfing anonymously if you're in crypto, especially now when you look at the regulatory framework in the United States and the fact that they're subpoenaing, I've heard that they've actually subpoenaing court data from the decentralized staking protocol. So you can imagine, you know, how hectic it all is. 
Um, yeah, use NordVPN. You can really you can mask your IP address for just less for less than three dollars a month. There's also a a link below. There's a link below. Use that link because then you know just it helps us track where the where they're coming from, uh, and that also gives you a, a very special offer. So um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, if there's nothing else to add here, I think, yeah, let's call it a day for today. Uh, guys, speakers, thank you all, each, each and every one of you. If you're not following the speakers again, I urge you guys to follow the speakers, Gareth, Henrik, Jerome, uh, TKL. Um, yeah, all you guys, thank you so, so, so much. And to the banter fam and the community, thank you. Uh, I am doing an interview with Arthur Hayes on our channel in about an hour. So go and check it out. We will pin a tweet here. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so we will we will we'll be live with Arthur Hayes, or we'll be doing an interview with Arthur Hayes in about an hour. Um, hope to see you all there. So listen, have a great weekend, and we'll chat over the weekend or on Monday if nothing else happens. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Cheers, guys. Okay, have a great day. Bye.